the more supported and healthier and well-balanced men we have in this society, the better society we have for everybody. Hi guys, this podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow and to understand. I do that through this podcast as well as counselling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's gonna talk and it's gonna make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason with me podcast, episode nine. It's time! All right. Another week, another podcast. Reason with me. Welcome back. Today we have another guest and I'm super pumped to talk about this topic. We're going to be talking about men. We're going to be talking about blokes and masculinity and the vulnerability of men and just how we can how we can support them, how we can help them out and, and um, look at their mental health and the challenges and the barriers in our society. And, and yeah, so let's um, start by introducing Carl. Carl works for Bloke Psychology. Now, few services really focus on the specifics of, of men's needs. Many men struggle to acknowledge they're experiencing mental health issues, and about 70% of men avoid support like altogether. Bloke Psychology are dedicated to ensuring males of all ages can access mental health support and treatment that's tailored and made for men. Now, Carl and a team of psychologists are extremely passionate about men's mental health and understanding the array of challenges males face in today's society and how difficult often is to um, reach out to others. I'm super pumped. So let's let's get into it. Okay, Carl, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Uh, no worries at all, Jackson. More than happy to. So I'm I'm super excited to talk about this. I think it's going to be a pretty interesting steer into a, a nice direction, which is probably talking a lot about blokes and and men. So what we'll do is talk about the bloke that I'm I'm talking to now. So why don't you tell me who the hell I are and what do you do? <laughs> Where do you want to start? That's a that's a hard question. I suppose uh, so. Yeah. So I'm a psychologist, uh, also business owner uh, of Bloke Psychology, uh, which is a pretty self-explanatory business, I suppose. Uh, it's a mental health clinic for males of all ages. So we've been running for about two years now. Uh, outside of that, what else? Who else am I? Uh, love my sport, love my animals, love my getting outside, love the beach, do a bit of keynote speaking as well. But yeah, that's pretty much in a nutshell who I am cool. and I suppose what I do. And tell me a little bit more about uh, blokes psychology. Where where did it come from? Where why why blokes? Yeah, good question. I was working after my masters. I was working in gamblers' help, and as you probably find, Jackson, in our profession, that there's not a lot of blokes. And I found myself 
working in a team of, I think, 13 or 14 clinicians. Some of them were counselors, psychotherapists, social workers, psychologists, so really multidisciplinary. But I was one of three or four blokes in the team. And I was the only guy at the time under 30. So long story short, working in gambler's help and community counseling, um, most of the clients we had were males. Now, my entire caseload just about was males. And especially being younger, I was getting a lot of the younger males. Mm. To cut a very long story short, I was having a conversation with a client one day and it was really evident that he probably could have and should have sought support a hell of a lot more earlier, five, 10 years earlier. And I simply naively at the time said, why have you waited for so long to reach out? And he pretty much just looked at me without reservation said, where would I have gone? And I had to think to myself, I said to him, there's clinics everywhere. You know, you just Google psychology clinics, they are everywhere. And he said, yeah, but for the large part, they're, they're all flower power, mindfulness, uh, you know, well-being, cognitive behavioral this. He goes, where the hell is the bloke to go? Mm. And that pretty much spawned the idea that night I was having supervision straight after work. I'm a clinical supervisor up the road. And I said to her, just in passing, I said, it's almost like there needs to be a bloke psychology clinic. And she just said, why don't you do it? I said, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm too early in my career. Like I, and she said, I've got a spare room. Why don't you do it? So over the next three, four months, I started toying with what it could look like, website, whatnot. Before I knew it, there was a website there ready to go. And I thought, stuff it. I'll give it a go two days a week. And here we are two years later. Brilliant. Super inspiring as well. And I guess I'm on a, a similar journey um, a bit behind you, trying to find my way in, in the field, especially um, – being a, a male as a clinician, I, I've always been the um, the black sheep in terms of the you know, majority majority of the therapists and clinicians that I work with are women, and um, I think there's a massive gap with a lot of the clients that would prefer to work with with men, and, and a lot of them being men themselves, and and it's great to hear that it's actually like something you've got that's specific for men to be able to come in and even just calling it blokes just gives it that, that like, yeah, we're, we're fair income. We, 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 we're here for you and we're going to work through whatever you're ready to work with. Is that the, the attitude, I guess that comes with it? Look, more or less. I mean, if you have a look at our website or any marketing, you know, it's black and white. There's no clinical jargon. There's no nothing. So it really is trying to tailor not only, the marketing and all of that, but also our approach uh, in counseling, uh, in treatment to men specifically. Because it was very interesting at the same time as having this sort of ideas and toying with, could I do this? Some early research started to emerge from the University of New South Wales about what uh, components of therapy work for men specifically, what mm-hmm. doesn't work. And when I started to read these early research papers, it was really, it just resonated with me like, wow, this is, this is what I'm experiencing. You know, a lot of guys were reporting at the time. They interviewed guys who had dropped out of therapy because we know that guys are less likely to reach out for mental health support and they're less likely to continue to reach the outcomes that they need. And a lot of the guys who had dropped out early was saying, it felt like I was just going and talking to this person. I didn't know where the therapy was heading. There was a lack overall of transparency. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I, I was already sort of innately doing within my practice is trying to orient guys to what counseling and therapy is and actually being really transparent about where this is heading in each session because it gives them that peace of mind. I mean, guys are very pragmatic as you would know, Jackson, Mm. that Mm -hmm. at times we go, well, how much, how long is it going to take all of this? Whereas I think to a large degree in a lot of sort of mental health training, 
it's it's general it's too general in nature and it's it's always been the case that we learn how to do therapy for people who want to be there whereas mm. most blokes deep down probably don't yeah yeah and i think that that's something that really i've noticed in the work that i do um full-time um outside of the private practice and and, and this sort of space is I, i'm an addiction um coordinator and, and counselor at, at odyssey house in, in new south wales and we have majority men you know there, there's few and far in between women that come into the service so that means we're working with big angry um men that, that want to or don't want to work on on what, what's going on for them so a lot of our guys come through um corrections so they're trying not to go back to jail or they're on parole or whatever it may be and and we're running big big groups talking about drugs and alcohol and yeah you, you see how it shifts and changes from this and you know everyone's judging each other and then slowly but surely it's like ah oh, hold on these guys are like on my side and i know my on my you know team not like trying to like get me to be this or that it's like oh this guy just wants to hear me out and then they start to, well, what I experienced, I'm interested in what you think, but they start to like get scared of themselves because they're now starting to be a bit more vulnerable. And they're like, fuck, oh, shit. Like, yeah. Do you, do you experience some of that with, with the work that you're doing down in Melbourne? Oh, for sure. I mean, as you said, I think a lot of guys, once, once they feel comfortable enough to allow a lot of that stuff beneath the surface to rise, and have to experience that and identify some of the past or some of those emotions or the traumas. Yeah. It can be really damn confronting, really, really confronting. So you might have a client who felt comfortable with you and then often, you know, isn't liking the session. I have a lot of guys. I had a guy yesterday go, this is really good, but fuck, I hate coming here. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. I literally had a guy yesterday say the same thing. He's like, fuck, I gotta sit with all my emotions now. Why do you make me do this? <laughs> <laughs> He's grateful, but he, he hates me some days. It's funny. Uh, it's funny. Um, so tell me, Carl, where, where do you pull your strength from to do this sort of work? Where, to do the work that you're doing day in, day out, I, I guess where, where do you pull that resilience to do it? It's an interesting way to put it. Uh, where do I pull the resilience? I mean, I think... As you would know, as a mental health professional, self-care has to be number one when you're working with really vulnerable clients. So I'm almost anal about my self-care. I know that if I'm going to have a big week of clients or whatever, there's certain things I have to do to put myself in the best possible headspace. But, you know, I've never really thought about it in terms of having resilience to do the job. I mean, I suppose that's an element of it, but I just love it. Like I'm so passionate about it. I absolutely love it. I mean, of course, it's still a job, but I absolutely love it. So it's, yeah, it's not something I thought much about. I mean, the client wins and the client changes that are brought about in sessions uh, for me, that's where I draw strength from. Mm. And speaking of other like-minded professionals like yourself or a lot of other people who I get to speak to in other you know, areas of the business and my, uh, I suppose, job, mm. that's inspiring and that's what gives me the strength. I think. What, what what I pick up from you is that it's that's so authentic the way that you talk about that. Like I realize I'm leaning so far into my camera and and my microphone. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Like this is so true. So yeah, I get I get that. I think that when you see that 
for someone else and you go, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing this. But then you only have that when you, when you're passionate about the work you do. So that, that sort of sinks through when, when you're talking about it. It's just awesome to hear. Awesome. So Carl, I want you to, I guess, reason with me or reason without, with the audience or people listening is why, why is, is bloke psychology or, or working with, with vulnerable men so important in terms of what you can get in terms of their connection that they end up getting with themselves or with others? And then what that work can do once someone is able to, I guess, surrender to coming to therapy in terms of their mental health and their well-being? Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a broad perspective, yeah, you know, you can rattle off a number of statistics about depression, anxiety, suicide, domestic violence, or whatever. But from a really broad perspective, the more supported and healthier and well balanced men we have in this society, the better society we have for everybody. Mm. Mm. And you can look at any of those stats and sort of go, okay, yeah, that that's a hard statement to disagree with. Yeah, absolutely. I think our, the suicide rate with our, with our men is obviously outweighing um, with, the, with the women. And the statistics are, are high. They're really, really high. I think we've got the leading cause of death in, in Australia from age 14 to 44, I think. Um, now, that's, that's intense. And a lot of that is men. So really, it's what you said at the start. is that these guys aren't reaching out for help and these guys aren't, aren't bringing themselves forward what do you think the main reason that is well it's that (laughs) it's that fundamental stigma isn't it attached to what it means to be a man being the provider self-reliance that stoicism that so often has been celebrated in the past as the typical australian bloke the stiff upper lip it's all of that Mm. and it's the lack of uh i suppose fathers who have uh, role modeled healthy mental health, healthy self-care, healthy emotional expression, healthy vulnerability. And that's not to blame them because they, they role modeled what they received. Mm. But I feel we're really on a wave now in the last five, 10 years in particular of really significantly changing that narrative. Well, mental health is so much more widely talked about in our community. We've got, X, Y, and Z charities that, that are doing such amazing work to, you know, decrease that stigma around what we're doing. And I think it's great, especially now being a lot more online than we've ever been before in, in times of crisis like the COVID-19 shit. It's, it's meaning we're accessing a lot of people that wouldn't normally be reading this stuff or wouldn't normally be getting, um, you know, served ads or whatever, flicking through their Facebooks and Instagrams all day. And, and now they're going, oh, this is what's coming up for me. Now they're telling me to, you know, reach out, get connected, whatever. And, and I think that, that's only good. That's only good that, that we're getting a massive more reach. Well, that's it, Jackson. That's, and that's why, honestly, I, I always say yes to whether it be podcasts or interviews or anything at all, because even if this reaches one person, uh, one bloke who resonates with what we're talking about, it'll give him permission to take that step to acknowledge what's going on for him and then somebody in his life will see that and that'll you know it, it snowballs mm. such a powerful word permission 
um, I think that's that's so yeah, just crucial as a thing. It's like people need need to be held in space, and then once they are, they go, okay, this this is all right. This is good. Do you, do you have a do you have an example? I guess you probably had hundreds of clients, Carl. Do you have an example where you've really seen that that shift from someone being so disconnected from themselves yeah. and and I guess just not okay in their well being, and then through your relationship have had this big shift and now see the world in a completely different light? Yeah, numerous, numerous, Jackson. I mean. We'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be doing a very good job, would we? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to think of a specific one. I also have to be mindful of confidentiality. But yeah. I suppose just the power of when you have, say, for example, a bloke who this is a common presentation that I get, late twenties, early thirties. So he's been relatively successful in his business or career thus far. He's getting to that point of maybe him and his partner settling down or having a baby or whatnot. And he'll say, you know, my partner says, I, I just, I don't talk about my emotions. She's never seen me cry. If we have an argument or she's upset, like she doesn't understand why I don't feel sad. And he goes, I don't get that either. But mm -hmm. then through a, a fair bit of work, getting to the point where he goes, wow, I can actually identify my emotions. I can actually make room for them. I can now name them and articulate them. And I'm starting to get better at actually communicating and expressing that to my partner. That is no simple process, but wow. Like when you get to that point, you think, shit, the impact that he's going to have on his life going forward and to think what would have happened if he didn't actually do that work on himself, they're mm. two very separate paths. Mm. 100%. I, I, that is exactly the sort of thing that I was like, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope you're able to talk a little bit to that because that's just so so important is 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 once you're able to access how you're functioning and knowing what, what what's happening in your body or, or even those emotions that that we are trying to avoid or escape or just be so disconnected from and then just the ripple effect of positive things in our relationships back in our jobs and just even with other conversations with men you just see a massive shift i think that's so good what 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 I think one of the main things that, that helped with that, we talked about a tiny second before, is what that's going to mean for that guy's kid and, and bringing him into the world. Now, I guess, I guess you, you've probably been seeing those exact clients, but have you, have you had an experience where they're, the, they're those children that are starting to notice a difference in the way that their dad is with them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, one guy comes to mind, and again, I can't say too much specifically, but he he had a really beautiful <laughs> anecdote where his daughter would say, oh, where's daddy going? And he'd go, oh, daddy's going to the doctor who helps him with his head. And after a while, I can't remember exactly what the daughter said, but something along the lines of, you know, oh, daddy seem much, seems much happier now. The mm -hmm. doctor for your head must be helping or something like that. Yeah. And, I mean, that was when he was explaining that, that was just, so powerful you know he broke down because he's like wow you know if, if a child can observe the change in my demeanor and behavior and how i'm presenting like that's pretty significant mm. yeah i think 
yeah, that, that's actually super inspiring that, that that's so possible um, to get and such beautiful um, innocent feedback from a child that I guess doesn't have the best idea of what psychology is or, or even what past traumas are with, you know, he, their parents and then they just go, ah, oh, but I'm noticing your demeanour and ability to connect with me is completely different now and that's making me closer to you and feeling safer with you. Yeah. And it's around fatherhood stuff, Jackson. I suppose we get so, so many clients and I think this is an area that's not talked about enough and it's definitely not researched enough about postnatal mental health issues in blokes because okay. the amount of guys that I see or that get referred to us in the clinic who are, you know, whether I'm seeing them or I'm speaking to the other guys at the clinic and they're seeing them, they'll come in and say maybe on paper it's for anxiety, it's for depression, it's for anger, it's for addictions, whatever. You start peeling back the layers. Okay, so this has been going on for about two years. Okay, okay. You had your first child two years ago. Or you had your second child two years ago. Okay. Because that whole sense of masculinity and being a man that we touched on before, that is thrown into the spotlight as soon as guys become fathers. Because that responsibility and obligation has never been stronger. And to a large degree, and I've actually had clients wives come to sessions and say something to this effect that when our partners give birth that is the one time men are still expected to be a rock and you know a few partners have actually said like hell yeah if he had turned around and said i'm struggling a week after i gave birth i'd be like mate you just suck it up because i just popped the kid out of my body (laughs) and that permeates through the early few years of childhood so that space i think is over the next few years about postnatal mental health for blokes that's going to be huge i think it's it's goes back to that thing if if those if those men and and let's be honest so many haven't uh are can aren't connected with their emotions and, and what and how they're functioning when they're then on top of already that then having to push it even further down to be um, strong or what they need to think they need to be resilient for their partner and their rock, then they're just sort of really stuffing things and things further down. So, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. So I, f- I, fully, I fully believe that is an under-researched area and, and, and something I haven't really actually thought about too much and yeah, treat men all the time. So that's, that's really interesting. Because well, one thing a lot of the guys in that sort of space say, yeah, a lot of guys actually, it's good to see they come in before they have a kid or before they have that second child because they mm. go, well, I need, the common narrative is I need to sort my shit before I become yeah. a dad. But a lot of the things they say is knowing that I'm going to become a father is stressing me beyond belief because I don't know who I am. I don't know what values matter to me. I don't know how to manage my own self-care and all that. And in a year or two, I'm going to have a little kid running around calling me daddy, looking up to me in terms mm. of how to, how to live. Mm. And, and that's, that's the way to the world. And then I'm this kid's role model. You know, he's, he's just going to be a sponge in everything that I say, do and think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you, run, um, do you run specific groups, Carl? Um, at Blick Psychology, did you, did you like? I know you said you're a keynote speaker, and I imagine that's that's serving a lot for any man that's coming in and, and hearing you talk about some topics. But in in the clinic, do you run you running groups? 
We haven't jumped into the group space yet. It's something myself and especially one of the other clinicians that we have uh, has got a bit of experience in and wants to do, but we just haven't put aside the time to actually set something up yet. But uh, we're about to move into a new office in about two, three weeks, our own premises. So hopefully in the next year, we can open that forum because I think there's groups, there's something very unique and powerful, as you would know, Jackson, about groups, especially for blokes. Shifting, shifting into the energy of, of the room and one it clicks for one person. And then they're like, mm. oh my God, you know, Barry's got it. And they're like, oh, I can have what Barry's got, you know. Yeah, it is it is awesome. Um, so some of those keynotes that you you've been doing, are the topics generally amount around men? Do you have specific a go-to? Uh, I suppose there is a go-to. There's a general sort of uh, presentation that I talk about in terms of men's mental health, but as you can probably tell, I can talk underwater about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So generally, it's either corporates or schools or charity events, uh, men's mental health breakfasts, men's mental health nights at high schools, those sort of things, whether it be Q&As or it's just talking about, hey, we need to put this on the agenda putting some facts into it and just some anecdotal experience from my lived and I suppose professional life. Mm. Yeah. Now I wasn't going to ask this question, but it's really steered me to ask it. Uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Carl. Go for it. <laughs> and, Go for it. I mean, authentic and raw is, is what we're all about at uh, reason with me, but what would you say it means to be a man? <laughs> Uh, I've chatted about this many times on uh, podcasts and whatnot, and it, I always wonder. I'm like, where do you begin? <laughs> that, um, and I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tap out there and say it's a work in progress. I think I'm not going to give you a neat definition because I don't think I can do it comprehensively. But it is a work in progress. Um, but I think a man. Uh, how would you even put it into a few sentences? I think that to be to be honest, it being a working progress is so accurate. To be a man <laughs> is something we are. You've got to figure out, and you've got to work on, and it takes a long time to find what it means to be you. So, without even knowing it, you bloody nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's. I one of the reasons I always hesitate to give like a definition is because what it means to be a man, even though we're in Australia, relatively smallish country and the big scheme of things it's different for everybody isn't it absolutely it's very subjective it's very subjective you know what i think what you think what you know one of our mates thinks that, that what they subscribe in terms of masculinity and being a man is very different and it's interesting when i first opened the business i thought one of my supervisors said oh bloke psychology i was asking for some blunt feedback he goes will all men feel comfortable with that or will they perceive it as, oh, it's a bit macho? You know, what about sort of, he used the example, he said, what about the kids who played in band and in like sports? Did they see themselves as a bloke? And I thought, shit, that's, that's a good point. Mm. But I still went with it because I couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> and we've had, a lot of, we've had a lot of guys come through who don't, I can tell you now, do not meet the stereotypical or even close to it idea of what it means to be a man or sports or a, a bloke and i said to one of these guys once uh, it, was a, it was a gay man and i said at the end of our treatment i said hey do you mind if i ask you a question and he said yeah yeah and I, I ran this by him and i said you didn't feel put off by the name or anything and he was quite a feminine guy and he said carl i'm still a bloke i might be gay but i'm still a bloke 
Oh. Well, that was interesting. Oh, he's got he's got a good answer himself. I think um I think we I guess yeah, we do we define what bloke is to us. I mean, I mean I know I guess I guess my thoughts on what it is to be a man are I can only speak for myself about and for me, I just I think a big part of it is just be trying to be as authentic and real as possible and stay away from the um, stereotypical side of things of what it is that people think I should be and whatnot. I think um, I take it more into like the human side of stuff. Let's go back to that. Mm. Well, that authenticity and rawness, I think they're two things you probably couldn't argue with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hard space though because. Especially, I mean, I hate this term, but the whole toxic masculinity thing, you know, as soon as that people start talking about, you know, you should be vulnerable and toxic masculinity and that, you know, a lot of men's rights activists and whatnot would say, ah, oh, you know, you're trying to get rid of all masculinity and whatnot. But you know, in my personal opinion, it's not about that at all. There's stoicism, self-reliance, strength, all those things, courage, there's nothing wrong with them. I think for the large majority, a lot of us are saying that that is fine, but you also need to have the ability to lean into vulnerability. You need to be able to put that stoic facade down at times and give yourself permission to be seen, to Mm. get back to what you said, to be raw, to be authentic. Yeah. And I think that's so important in terms of, I guess, the roles that we play is is teaching, training, educating about vulnerability as a whole in all of its um, nakedness of what it brings because um, I think that's a big part of what it is to be a man is, is actually missing in our society. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I mean, Carl, we could talk about this all day. It's so awesome to have, have you on the podcast and, and just talk shit about men and, and just burn through topics up topic, which is great. And may probably have to have you on again and, and, and go through the nitty and gritty of it all. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll wind down a little bit um, and, and put the spotlight onto, onto you specifically. Now, you mentioned some stuff before about where you pull your strength from, Colin, and you, you named straight away self-care. And I'm a big old advocate for self-care. I think it's the most important thing. I think I'm quite anal about it also and um it's like a religion to me so what i ask everybody is what do you do for self-care what 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 would be your non-negotiable things that you have uh my non-negotiables good sleep sounds so cliche good sleep and regular exercise so that's walking the dog every day for me it's uh you know a few weight sessions every week it's when i was allowed to doing some kickboxing or something high intensity like that uh and good nutrition most of the time Mm. those are the the fundamentals for me and it's been interesting with this coronavirus probably when it all kicked off about a month or five weeks ago when we were all a bit uncertain i was sleeping terribly and i noticed that yeah, I was not on my game and it, it sucked. You know, I almost see self-care. I'm sure you've heard this analogy, Jackson. It's almost like a chair. You know, you've got the four legs of the chair. If one of them falls over, you don't have a very solid solid chair. Mm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I actually haven't heard that analogy. Before. Nah. I use the, um, 
I use the cup, you know, if my cup is not full and I try and pour it out into other people to help them all day, I'm not going to be very helpful for you because I don't have anything yes. left to give. Yes. Um, that is, that is a classic cliche and, and awesome psychologist response is eat, sleep, exercise. But <laughs> it's so true. I mean, all of the studies show that, um, you know, the best start to your depression or anxiety is to, is to firstly look at the, the core basics. Is that sleeping, eating and exercising and, and probably getting a little bit of sunlight? You can't do the things like kickboxing or uh, walking your dog if those things aren't in check, right? No. It's, it's so much harder. So, I mean, for me, and I say this all the time, but like, I think for me at the moment, cooking is, is like my favorite thing. And I'm definitely got the coronavirus belly happening at the moment where all I do is eat, but I don't think I can, I can't get motivated to cook if I'm not sleeping well. And yeah, I think what I really like from you, Carl, is when you say you really notice a shift when you don't do those non-negotiables and that's crucial. That's so vital. Well, it's often not until you neglect one or two of those things or they're impacted that you go, wow, this is the impact they have on my life. Because most of the time, 80, 90% of the time, I'm really on point with those things. And it was only, as I said, a month or two ago where three, four nights in a row, I didn't sleep well because I'm like, oh, what are we going to do with the business? Can we open? Can we close? Oh, what about the clients? And hmm. then I was like, wow, this, yeah, <laughs> this does have a huge impact on me. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's so. It's so great to hear that it's such a. Um, you're such an advocate for self care as well. It's good, awesome. I love having a little buddy in self care. Um, so, my last question is, what would you, what would you like go to book be? And probably again, like Jesus Jackson, stop asking me all these broad up <laughs> questions. But if there was a book that you had to choose that it's been really. Um, powerful for you or you know amazing in in your career or even just for your own well-being what would would it be now that one's quite an easy one actually because i i suggest this to nearly every client that i see i'm sure you've heard of it uh jackson lost connections by johan hari uh incredible book well i have it here no i got another one actually yeah it's a great Uh, other addictions one yeah yeah Yes, yes. So yeah, that's good too. But I think his Lost Connections one is yeah. phenomenal. Just how it, because it, it basically talks about what we've been talking about. Get yeah. the basics right first. Absolutely. I'd love to have him on this podcast. I think he has some awesome way of communicating um, the importance of connection. Mm. Cool. Well, I will 100% put that up on my website, um, Lost Connections. I don't know how to say his last name. Johan Hari, I think. Johan Hari, sure. Hold you to that one, Carl. <laughs> um, but lastly, where can where can people find you at the moment, and 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 what's going on for you right now? Uh just blokepsychology.com. Hit it. We've got a pretty big Facebook presence and Instagram presence that we're pretty active on. Uh, where oh, we also I didn't even I just remembered. We also just launched the podcast similar to yourself, Jackson. So we're pumping out an episode a week at the moment. But yeah, you'll find us somewhere. What's going on? Not a lot. The only difference, I suppose, the new thing for us has been we've always provided telehealth services, but a lot of people have sort of not been too keen to take it up. Uh, I've, I've always had a handful of clients around the country, but not many, to be honest. But over the last few weeks, we've had more and more referrals. Like I'm working with a fair few guys in WA, in rural Vic, just because 
we can now and people are more uh, open-minded to give it a crack. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that all sounds really good. And I'll, and I'll put all of that on the, on the website. So anyone that wants to find out that sort of stuff can go straight there and click into some of those things and, and see what bloke psychology is all about. Thank you so much for your time, Carl. It's honestly such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the podcast to talk about um, something so specific that is men and men's mental health and well-being. So thank you. No, absolute pleasure, Jackson. Thank you for reaching out. All right. All the best, man. Take care. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page.